Aren't you glad we watched The O.C., where I am begging every teenage girl character on this show to love themselves even a little bit, please. I'm Sarah. To have a modicum of self-respect. Just even a little just bit. Just even a scotch of self-respect. Dear fucking Christ. Would be so nice. I'm Sarah. And I am Evan. And my pronouns are any all. And uh, I've noticed listening to other podcasts that oftentimes they'll introduce what the fuck their podcast is about. This is a podcast where we yell about the OC. (laughs) The conceit is Sarah has seen the OC before. Uh, She is introducing it to me for the first time. And that's the whole cute concept of our cute little podcast. It's cute as fuck. And this is episode number 11. 11. Titled... The homecoming. The homecoming. Steve. So here's the thing. I remember editing last episode. I was like, it's really going to sound like we don't like this show because of the way that we talk about this show. Uh Uh-huh. I'm starting to get the sense that every episode might sound like we don't like this show. (laughs) And as I'm considering that, when do we just have to accept that we might not like this show and we might, I don't know. I love this show. Truly, honestly, I do. It's just that, and we talked about this last time, you kind of don't engage with things as critically when you are in a demographic to be sold wrist cuffs to. <laughs> so are you, are you saying you were of that demographic when you first watched this program back I, in 2003? Yeah. You were squarely in the wrist cuff demographic. <laughs> I had leather pants. Right. Newly bejobbed. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, no, I was barely bejobbed. I was like 23, 24. That was... I was twenty. I was 22 going on 23, so that means you would have been about 25. And another thing that is significant about this specific day where we are watching... Oh, there's multiple significant things about this. So hilariously, we are a few days after Thanksgiving, and this was the Thanksgiving episode of uh-huh. episode or season one of The O.C. Hysterically. And... More importantly... It's my birthday. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. You know that I want to. It's my birthday. That's today. So what did I do? I made him watch this show. (laughs) We got Somalian food (laughs) and we watched fucking episode 11 of the goddamn OC. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh my God. This fucking episode. Happy birthday. (laughs) 
pie, but you made it up to me because you also baked me a pie from scratch. So I did. thank you very much. At some point, you're probably going to leave and get stress pie. And I. Oh, fuck. You're damn right. I'm going to be getting <laughs> fucking stress pie. In fact, where the fuck is my where's my stimming rubber band? <laughs> Here, talk amongst yourself. I'll be back. This is all staying in. This is all gold. Aren't you glad we watched The O.C. is brought to you by nobody. (laughs) I'm filling dead air. You'd have to. I'm filling dead air. Oh, I never moved the grocery bags. I'm filling dead air. Like I said, I was going to. Here they go. Problem solved. Listener. (laughs) Evan just catted. You know the thing that cats do when they're feeling sassy and they don't want a thing to exist on a table? He just kind of pawed them off the table. Oh, he's got his rubber bands. I have two of them now because this is a two rubber band episode, everybody. Here's the problem. Okay. So Steve and Mary are going to think that A, we don't like this show. But oh, and Kathy as well. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> but additionally, they're also going to think that we spend every single episode harping on Seth, and that's the only thing that we do, right? Uh-huh. And they're going to say to themselves things like, "There are larger themes at play in this show. There are more characters than just Seth Cohen," and they're right. Yeah. But the problem is, Seth continues to be the goddamn worst. There are fully two episodes within this episode. Mm. One is a fairly serious with elements of, you know, farce sprinkled into it. And one is an entire ass teen sex comedy farce. Yes. And guess who the principal player is in the teen sex farce. I guarantee you, you would not see this coming a mile away if you were in our shoes. It's Seth, bitch. It's goddamn Seth fucking Cohen. (laughs) And just fucking God, Jesus fucking shit. Okay. So it's Thanksgiving. Yep. We we didn't even get the did we get the opening credits sequence in in this one? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't even remember that. It was there. Okay. So we start in the breakfast nook. Breakfast nook. Like so many of these episodes start. Uh, The breakfast nook is where you cook the Thanksgiving dinner. Did you catch there was a mention of Rosa? No, I missed it. Okay. They were like, Rosa's not here today because Kirsten, definitely in character, wants to cook Thanksgiving dinner because it's important. And everyone's like, Mom, you can't cook. And that's the whole thing. (laughs) The beginning of this thing. Okay, I've just decided if we ever do start a Patreon or something like that, Mm -hmm. the secret episodes that only Patreon supporters get access to will be called The Breakfast Nook. Will it be just recordings of your therapy sessions that are resulting from having to consume this show? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and long periods of me blowing my nose (laughs) which are the things that sadly get cut not every nose blow gets cut some of them accidentally make it in to the final edit of these things every time a nose blows an angel gets his wings yep correct so we start the episode where everyone is just 
viciously negging uh, Kirsten for her inability to cook to such a degree that, I mean, Seth basically says, like, Mom, I had a dream the other night that I ate Thanksgiving food and I liked it so much that I passed out or something like His that. His recurring hope and dream for Thanksgiving is that he eats so much delicious food that he passes out at the table. And it's a funny little running gag that Kirsten can't cook. Um, but Ryan and Sandy and Seth all sort of, <laughs> they all sort of tag team. Yeah. So as Kirsten is flitting around the kitchen from one station to the next, she's At like, one- well, let's get basting. And Sandy's like, no, no, I'll, I can, I can baste. And she's like, well, then I guess I'll do cranberries. And Ryan's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't you even try. I, well, I love making cranberries. And then she's like, I guess I can do what is Seth, what does Seth potatoes? do? Yeah, she's like, I guess I'll start sweet potatoes, and Seth's like, Nope, that's not even gonna happen. A little, and he's like, Get out of here! And she's like, Well, what can I do? And they're all like, Nothing. I mean, to be fair, at one point she picks up the turkey by its head, anus, anus, I think kind anus. of, and uh, the, the, the Sandy, Sandy says, Ah, oh, that's how she held you as a baby, Seth. Yes. <laughs> It is, it's, whatever, it's a cute inside joke that, you know, viewers of the show will get. Kirsten can't really cook that well. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, While they are Thanksgiving-ing about and trying to get her to not touch any of the food, the phone rings, and they're like, you can pick up the phone. That's what you can yeah. do. You're good at phones. Yeah, they're right. You do that, Kirsten. And she's like, okay. She and picks it up. She says, I'll accept the charges. It's a collect call from prison. Prison. And who is it? Ryan Atwood's brother, Tate? Taint? Trey? Traint? Trey. Trey! Hey, look, it had a T and an R and a vowel sound. I was really close. Oh, I also have in my notes, Rosa canonically exists in this episode, but she cannot exist physically in it because her existence would require lines. So is that is that officially part of the Rose account? That's Are a Rose we account. Say it is a Rose account because yeah. she was yes. She was invoked. Correct. The specter of Rosa. <laughs> the person whom you would have had expected to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Cause Hopefully Rosa is with her actual family just getting turnt and talking shit about the Coens behind their backs. No mention is made of Rosa's family. They're just like, she's not here because Kirsten wants to cook. Uh-huh. I'm just really hoping Rosa is at home with with her family eating a delicious meal and just shit talking the Coens. <laughs> I hope she's there just like, and the boy, the boy's torso is confusingly long. God. The shirt that he wears. Yeah, the shirts. Multiple shirts. Yeah. Yeah. There's. It's so long. It's just... Oh, it's just so long. Okay. So Trey calls from... Prison. Prison. And uh, Ryan's like, I'm just going to take this in the other room. It's like Target. And he's like, <laughs> uh, hey, bro, you know, happy Thanksgiving. And he's like, yo, I really want to see you. Uh, we don't hear Trey's side of this conversation. No, it's just... Uh, Ben McKenzie acting into a flip phone. Not a flip phone, a cordless. It's their, cord, it's their, it's it's their cordless. Their, their kitchen phone. Yeah, but a yeah. flip phone comes into. It does. Play later. It does. 
Yes. Uh, it, 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 it serves a purpose. They make a point of saying, bring this. Yeah. And it does serve a purpose, but only very moderately so. The purpose turns out to be stupid. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I don't know, it introduces a plot point, <laughs> but I really thought that they were going to, because they make a big point of, well, yeah. whatever, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> so that, and that's when we, he goes into the kitchen. He's like, it was my brother, right? When do we, when do we cut to the opening credits? Oh, I was eating food. That's why I, I wasn't really paying attention to the opening credits. Yep. Yep. Shout out Blue Star. Blue Star Milwaukee. Blue Star Cafe. Delicious Somalian food. So fucking good. I'm glad they survived the pandemic. Ask for the extra green sauce. Yes. Oh, God. Never forget to ask for extra green sauce because it's so good and there's just not enough of it. Blue Star sponsor us. I would love that. I'd feel so happy. <laughs> I'd feel so happy. We could just spend the rest of the series eating into the microphone. If it- <laughs> <laughs> if I get one person to walk through that door and enjoy their delicious food, uh, I would feel good about that. But anyway, this is anyway. not about Blue Star. No. So that's the whole thing. They've, they've, they've set up. That's our other, up, other a, other in the B story. A story is yes. Thanksgiving. B story is Ryan. Well, no, A story is Ryan's brother. B story yeah. is Thanksgiving. C story is the setting up of Rachel and Jimmy at Thanksgiving, which is also the dumbest fucking thing that I've ever heard of in my entire life. I would life. say that's just part of the Thanksgiving plot. Okay. There's various subplots within these plots that sort of interweave and inform one another. Yes. Okay, so we go to the opening credits. Then we cut back. Okay. And where are we? Are we still at the Cohen's house? Yes. Yes, we spend most of the time at the Cohen's house, don't we? Yes. Um, And do you have stuff in your notes? Because Ryan wants to go visit his brother. Uh, He's afraid that Trey is just going to ask for something. But he hasn't yes. seen him since he went to prison. Yes. Um, he openly says he just wants money or yeah, something yeah. or a favor. And Seth is like, but he's your brother. And we're running, we're bumping our noses into this theme again mm-hmm. of found family versus um, shitty uh, biological family. Yeah. Ryan knowing boundaries yep. and nobody respecting the boundaries. But also... Yeah. Also, he's the one who decides to go to prison. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's perfectly in keeping with his character. Yeah. He does care about his brother. Yeah. You know, he does know where he comes from. He's made that abundantly clear. Um, And what I also find really nice is every single member of the Cohen family at some point is like, do you want me to come with you? Yeah. You know? Well... Yeah, no, it's everyone but Sandy, I believe, in the immediate family says... And we'll get to it later. But one of them comes with him. Yeah, but not the one you think, Steve. Not the one you think. <laughs> no, I can tell. Steve is such a dumb, basic bitch. He's going to think a certain person is going to go. And I'm here to tell you, Steve, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. You can try and flip the script on your own brain, but you're too basic. Okay, we have a this side. Is just where I'm going to really make sure. Yes. Because I want to know that he's listening. Yes. And if he doesn't, he will need to like text me or something and be like, what the fuck? Leave me alone. And I'll be like, ah, you're listening to episode 11, aren't you? <laughs> um, there's a sidebar with Seth in Seth's room with Ryan and yeah. Seth. And yeah. Ryan finds his cologne and like spritzes it in the air. And it's like, bro, when did you start wearing cologne? And Seth's like, yesterday. Because. 
he says Anna is coming to Thanksgiving. To Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, good. Me sitting on the couch eating delicious Somalian food was like, good. I'm really pleased that Anna will be there and not summer is something I thought to myself in my naivete. And something, something comic books. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. Seth is giving. That's a weird thing that Ryan, goes nowhere, but also. He's giving Ryan a gift to give to Trey. Yeah. From the family. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a comic book it's not even a graphic novel it's like whatever it's like mid-run of whatever he's talking about (laughs) trey is a grown adult man who does not one presumes read comic books or have access easily to comic books again in prison yeah this is a running theme yeah throughout this episode no one knows how prison works (laughs) no one understands how prison works so I volunteered with the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee. And in doing so, you learn that getting in touch with people on the inside, like communicating with them and especially giving them things, is extremely difficult. Uh-huh. And I love how when Ryan goes back into the kitchen, Kirsten just gives him a whole ass fucking pie. Oh, that doesn't come till later, but yeah. <laughs> but when he's on his way, yeah. <laughs> she's like... It's store-bought, as if to be like, I didn't bake it, it's not going to kill him. But I'm like, they're not letting him inside the fucking facility with that pie. Like, that's not happening. That's not a thing you can do. And yet. And yet. Um... All of these little details, the comic book, the pie, are sprinkled in. There's no payoff with either of them. It's real weird. Yeah. There's a lot of setup, no payoff in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Or very, very little payoff. Okay. So then Marissa shows up. Mar- oh, there's a scene earlier where Marissa is talking to Jimmy about how she doesn't want to spend Thanksgiving with Julie and what's his name? Yeah. Uh, what? Um, she. Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I think we're, I think we're, we're skipping ahead of ourselves because um, Kirsten and Sandy keep talking about in in side conversations with each other before Thanksgiving starts and before guests begin to arrive. Uh, they're like, does does Jimmy know that Rachel's gonna be here? Yeah. Does Rachel know that Jimmy's gonna be here? Right. And the audience is like, what are these two little hooligans getting into? And the audience is also like, what the entire fuck? (laughs) Right. The place that we left with Rachel was very awkward. We have not forgotten that, you know, uh, supposedly a week ago, Rachel made very moves on one Sandrew Thanthony Cohen. And he (laughs) uh, shot that down real fast. He just like he was like a basketball player smacking that ball out to the air like not in my house. He was like. I'm the guy who didn't get vaccinated. I can't play this game. Yeah, he's like, I'm the only person in this show that's not going to go smooching behind my spouse's back. That was a terrible metaphor, and I it's made worse by the fact that I cannot remember the dude's name, but it's probably for the best. I don't remember anybody's name of anyone that you're talking about okay, right now. Okay, cool. I'm good. sorry. Good. Very good. But anyway, so I don't remember when that happened. Okay. <laughs> we should take better notes about what the actual fucking chronological order of things in this fucking show. <laughs> um, there's a smooch sidebar with Marissa. 
yes. when Marissa so shows Marissa, up. Yeah, so Jimmy has been invited. He yes. brings Marissa because she lives with him. Yes. Marissa needs to go and spend Thanksgiving with her dad and Caleb Nickel. Her and, mom and Caleb Nickel. Sorry, her mom and Caleb Nickel. That would be a completely different relationship. Yes. <laughs> and we have already established that that one is not going to work. So, oh yeah, he, Jimmy tried to get a go of it at the yeah. fucking party and it didn't tread water. No. So, yeah, she comes in quick. She's like, I just wanted to say hi before I have to go spend Thanksgiving with my mom and Caleb Nickel. And she's like, baby, we could go to the pool house. And the exact line is my pool house or yours, (laughs) which is funny, but also disgusting because both of these teenagers have pool houses. So the teens go to the pool house and they do some smirching. There is smooching and smirchy, 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 smirch. Are you done? Smirch. <laughs> now I'm done. This is where Marissa asks about Trey and says you never talk about him. Oh yeah, because Ryan's like, I should go. And she's like, where are you going? And he's like, Gino. <laughs> but first, Marissa says she should go. Glunk, glunk, glunk. Oh, yes. yeah. She's like, I should go and hang out with my mom. And he's like, yeah. yeah, I should go too. And yeah. And then she's like, where the fuck? And he's like, Gino. And she's like, oh, you never talk about your past. I believe my exact notes here were. Uh, Into the microphone. Yes, dear. <laughs> Smooch sidebar with Marissa. Marissa says she feels like Ryan has a whole side of his life that he doesn't share. Ryan's like, yep, definitely a foundation for a healthy relationship. (laughs) He does not share anything. And then the next note that I have is they are grilling corn on Thanksgiving. But also, let's rewind quickly. Ryan also doesn't talk. That's the other thing. Sort of, he's very much a strong, silent type of this show. Yes. And it makes me curious i mean obviously they're teens so you know even if we're taking this show at face value they're physically attracted to each other and that's an easy way to base a relationship on when you're yes. in high school it doesn't really fucking matter yes but eventually i'd like to think that the character of marissa will need a little bit more from the area of ryan you know that is beyond just his smooch parts right. you know and ryan atwood is not a real talker or she might not not a talkative guy well, I'm. She wants more from him already. She's like, I want to know more about where you came from. I want to know more, blah, blah, blah. blah. And he's like, Look. He's like, Glance. <laughs> like, Thanks. Thanks a lot, buddy. Glad we could have a conversation. Hair flip. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. But they're grilling corn on Thanksgiving. They're grilling corn. Yeah, I mean, they live in California. They can. You know, fine, I'm just jealous that they can grill corn. I'm also jealous because I went the entire summer of 2022 without having a grilled corn. Yeah. But that is neither here nor there. Yeah. But I dislike it. Sorry, honey. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um, There are more jokes made at Kirsten's expense during the corn scene because she's like walking too close to the corn and Seth is like, Mom! Oh, that's right. Yeah, because they're like, um, Sandy is grilling outside and Kirsten is like, Hello, I'd like to talk with you. What do they talk about? What do they even fucking talk about? 
Say again. I was looking at something. What, what do they talk about in the corn scene? In the corn scene. Because um, Kirsten goes outside to talk to Sandy. Oh, yeah. I think corn. this might be where they're talking about uh, the, the the Rachel and Jimmy a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And she's near the corn. And Seth is at one point like, oh, you know, it's funny because. Sandy is like, Kirsten, what are you doing out here? You know corn is Seth's favorite. <laughs> like, her very presence near the corn is going yeah. to fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah, and then at some point, Seth's voice is off camera and is like, Mom, get away from the corn! <laughs> <laughs> it's also, um, Ryan doesn't talk. Like, he's the strong, silent type, going back to something we said a couple seconds ago. Mm-hmm. But he's also being set up to be funny. Like, yes. Seth keeps being threatened by the fact that Ryan is allegedly funny. He makes a few jokes. Yeah. What are, I don't remember what they are. Uh, one is about the cologne. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, audience. We laugh at this show. Yes. We, we laugh at the parts of this show that, that wants us to laugh at. It's true. I promise you we are enjoying the process of watching this show. It really doesn't sound like it. But really, you just got to trust me. You don't know him like I do. Right? You just see one side when we're bitching about him behind his back. But when he is with us... He's a totally different guy. By him, we mean Josh Schwartz, the creator of this television show. (laughs) And the arbiter of all of our troubles and triumphs and joys and Seth. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, When does Anna fucking come? She comes at some point. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Okay. All right. She comes after the prison scene because, okay. Marissa is coming to prison with Ryan. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he goes to, he's like, trust me, you don't want to come go and hang out with your mom. And we think that's the end of it. He and is given the Range he's Rover. He's given the Range Rover. And the flip phone. Because family's got nothing but expendable Range Rovers. And you, yes, this is where the flip phone is in. Flip phone. This is where the flip phone. I'm drinking, I'm drinking a fire-brewed orange dream soda. I'm not inebriated. He's had so much sugar today. I do not you drink. Guys. Look, Sarah baked cookies. Maked. I maked. <laughs> she baked cookies and a pie. I've yet to have the pie. This is what happens when I have sugar. So Sandy says, bring the wow. <laughs> Sandy's like, here's my flip phone. <laughs> here's my flip phone in case you need it. And they make a really, they make a very big deal out of this flip phone to, to such an extent. Because I'm so accustomed to this show doing just hog wild shit, right? Yeah. I mean, they fucking burned down a house in episode two. I mean, it goes, it, to, it this toes on the edge a little bit of being hog wild. But it's really pulled back is the yeah. thing. Like it, honestly, they should be like, if, if we were keeping up at the same pace episode by episode that we were making sort of a pattern for, a sort of uh-huh. setting a standard for, you know, in the earlier episodes, they really should be like invading Guatemala or something like that by this episode. So yeah. I honestly thought... Okay. Oh shit. 
Ryan's going back to Chino, yep. right? And there's we're a, introducing the flip phone, right? He's got the Range Rover. We're introducing the Range Rover and nothing good has ever no. happened to the Range Rover. <laughs> yeah, nothing good has ever happened to that Range Rover. I honestly thought he was going to get in like a shootout or something like that once he got to J- I honestly, you know what my brain went to? Mm. My brain went to the fucking film with Nicolas Cage and... um. The Rock, The Rock. What's his name? Rich Money Penny. Car- not Charlton Heston. Carson Daly. Not Car- what? <laughs> what? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. The Rock. I honestly thought Ryan Atwood was going to go to this fucking prison, and there was going to be a prison riot, uh-huh. and they were going to take hostages, and it was going to be a whole fucking thing. I thought that's literally what was going to happen. The audio in the prison scene did kind of lend itself to the the recording was very strange. So it was like someone randomly screaming in the background. Yeah. It and was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought at some point some real shit was going to pop off. Uh-huh. But it did not. So they've given Ryan the phone. They've given him the Range Rover. He goes outside. Marissa's sitting in the passenger seat of the Range Rover and she's like, "I want to go with you." And Ryan's like, no, you're not coming with me. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what about your mom? And she says, my mom's fine with it. She wants to get on my good side anyway. And Ryan's like, all right, let's go. Okay. This is absolutely in no way not a Chekhov's my mom said that I could come. (laughs) Also, savvy viewers will be like, Julie Cooper the fuck did not say it was okay. She most certainly probably did not, but we don't know anything at this point. It would just be very, very out of character. Correct. For one Julie Cooper to say, oh yeah, sure. You know what? Yeah. Go, go with this character I canonically hate. Yes. To the poor place where he comes from. With that reminds me of the poor place that I came from. Caitlin exists. (laughs) Oh, Caitlin also canonically exists in this episode. They mention her. She's at their grandparents for Thanksgiving. Is she somewhere else? Caitlin is just somewhere else. Caitlin. We know she's alive. <laughs> Blink twice if you can hear us, Caitlin, etc. Um, I betray. We get to prison. We are at prison. We waltz into this prison with no set visitation times. Right. Carrying an entire pie and that no one novel. has checked for a shiv. Mm-hmm. And a very specifically framed in a shot copy of legion which they have decided is the cooler of the two potential comics that uh seth had on offer i have several questions about this we've already covered some of them but why knowing his brother why would ryan agree to take a comic why is he not like you're being fucking weird dude yeah yeah. But anyway, this episode is sponsored by Legion. They really shoehorn it in there. Yeah. Really hard. And there's no payoff. There's no like, why? Oh, thank you for bringing me this epi- the episode. This issue of Legion. Do they I'm- own 
the because the only thing I can think is of, DC connected to Fox. I don't know. We'll look it up later. Or better yet, jump into our DMs <laughs> at Orange U One. That's the letter Orange. I mean the word. <laughs> it's the word Orange. The Orange emoji. It's, <laughs> that'd be great if you could do that. That show would be awesome. Um, that's the word Orange. The letter U and the numeral one. At twitter.com. <laughs> this again, we need to preface this by saying we don't know in what form Twitter will exist. Yeah, we're supposed to be editing and putting this up tomorrow on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Yes. But if, if it exists or not, we'll find out. If Black Friday didn't just didn't destroy it, maybe Cyber Monday will. We will surely the fuck see. <laughs> Okay, okay, so um, Ryan is having a one. Oh yeah, so they arrive at prison, and um, uh, Ryan introduces Marissa to Trey, and Trey says hi, and Marissa's like, "I'll let, I'll let you two talk." And again, the part of my brain that was expecting this episode to go about the normal way that fucking episodes of this show go was like, "Oh, this is where Marissa gets abducted or something, I'm- held hostage." Yeah, yeah. If we were um, keeping it in character with everything else that has happened to Marissa thus far. But also this episode kind of makes me want to know more about Marissa a little bit. Because she has, unlike like Kirsten in that episode, she has like no fear being in this prison yard. She's just like, do 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 here I am in my Thanksgiving blazer <laughs> and my tiny corduroy skirt <laughs> being in the prison yard. Yep. And Trey looks the worst for wear. Yeah, he's got, what, a big black eye. Slit lip. Yeah. Uh, so Good yeah. job, makeup department. He's like, hey, Ryan, how you been? And Ryan's like, yeah, I better, you know, yeah, you know, he, he talks about as many words as Ryan usually talks. Oh, Ryan says, like, what do you want? Right. Yeah. And Trey's like, come on, man. Why you got to treat me like that, man? I'm your brother. It's Thanksgiving. But obviously he wants something. But obviously he wants something. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what he wants is. OK, so he says, um, when I got in here. This is very convoluted logic. Yeah. He's like, I owed some guys a lot of money. About $6,000. They have friends on the inside who want to keep reminding me of that. Yes. So it's about six grand. Ryan's like, I don't have six grand. And he's like, Ryan, I don't want your money, man. And he's like, what do you want? And there's a clear commercial break. Commercial. commercial. Chlamydia. Clamato. (laughs) Commercial break for Clamato. Okay, so we didn't actually commercial break for Clamato, but I did get a piece of pie. This episode sponsored by Pi. So Ryan and Marissa get back in the car and she's like, well, you know, how did it go? And he says something like, we're putting you on a bus and sending you home. Uh-huh. Right? But it's here that we cut back to the Cohen's house because I have in my notes, what is Anna ever wearing? <laughs> Do you want to describe her outfit? She's dressed like goddamn Dorothy Zaborniak if that lady took an LSD trip. It's a leopard coat and a t-shirt with a bow. I think it's a sweater with a... Sweater? With a 
It's not a print of a bow. It's not a real bow. It's a print of a bow. What do you think of this pie? This pie is goddamn delicious. You want a bite? Sure. This has suddenly become a podcast about us eating pie. But I'll tell you what. I don't give a fuck. We ain't sponsored by no one. We get to do this shit because we fucking like it. I don't give a fuck. If you're one of the five people that listen to this thing, you can hear us chew on pie for a minute or two. I don't give a single shit. I think it's goddamn delicious. I think you did a great job. We should probably put this bird out. Thank you so much for pie. Uh-huh. We'll see if I cut it out. I don't know. I want people to know you're real good at baking pie. So Anna is dressed like an insane person. <laughs> she's, she's super cute, though, is she, the thing. Yeah. She's hella fucking cute. Uh-huh. And she's super fun yeah. at the party. She comports herself very well. She mentions something as the anathema. Um, oh, she explains why she's at the Cohen's Thanksgiving meal mm. because the rest of her family is in <gasps> Pittsburgh. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and um, talking to my uncle is anathema to the spirit of Thanksgiving. And we cut to Sandra Cohen. Whose eyebrows go whoop whoop whoop, and he looks at Seth and he mouths the word anathema. And he basically and he makes basically, like the, he makes a ring with his left fingers. Yeah, he takes his fucking pointer <laughs> finger and he just goes <laughs> in his fucking fingers like the dick motion. Like, like he, son, hit that! It is not that far off from what he actually does. <laughs> Sandro Anastasia Cohen is extremely horny. He is the horniest adult. It's well, a little inappropriate. I think he and, so he and Kirsten actually, there's a whole scene where making eyes at Seth that are like, marry this girl. Yeah. You are not ever going to get a chance like this again with a human being who is smart yeah. and pretty and funny take this opportunity while you can and then we do the thing where we have competing conversations um with jimmy is talking to kirsten about how he gets that um they're trying to set him up with rachel and rachel is talking to sandy like and rachel is like then this is what makes this very very confusing to me why would you invite a co-worker who basically sexually harassed you why do they suddenly take it upon themselves to be matchmaker for jimmy it's a little confusing what is any of this yeah no it's certainly a little confusing so both uh rachel and jimmy are like we will not be set up you cannot do that to us and then the great american sport of football it unifies unifies it's a three berry pie. What are they? Strawberries, blackberries, and raspberries. So they're both watching football, mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy is like, "No, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no." That's right. Uh, uh, Rachel's like, "No, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him," and Ray- and Jimmy's like, "All the way, all the way downtown." And it turns out that she's—that's what they say in football all the time. She's a Dolphins fan. No, she's a Cowboys fan, and he's a Dolphins fan. I think it's the other way around, but also, who cares? Who gives a shit? Yeah. And so then they start talking smack, and they're like, "Ooh, and we're like, oh, we see where this is going." Uh huh. 
Okay, yes, this is when Caleb and Julie show up. I thought we were... Well, we, we, yeah, we can get back to the kids later. But um, at some point... No, I think it is the kids actually first. Yeah. Ryan's like, we're, we're going to put you on a bus to Marissa. And we're going to get you out of here. Uh, but where is like, Marissa located in California? He said, we're going to put you on a bus to Marissa. To Marissa. <laughs> Hey Siri, where is Marissa California? <laughs> um, and uh, she's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to do, you know, I don't want to leave. And he's like, look, this is, what's, this is what the situation is. Um, my brother owes a debt to some bad guys. Uh-huh. And if I, uh, there's a hot car that I need to pick up and drop off at this chop shop. And for those of you not in the know... A hot car means it has been sexually promiscuous. <laughs> Ryan's like, there's this slutty car I need to pick up. I need to drop off at a chop shop. It's hot. He's like, oh, Marissa, it's so hot. It means it's been stolen. It's been lifted. See, it's been fenced. Hey. It's been gotten with the five finger discount. <laughs> it's just see, you see, my. <laughs> anyway. And again, is it in Marissa's character to be like, yeah, sure, I will accompany you to this, the chop shop on the day of our Thanksgiving Lord? Well, I think she really doesn't want to be with her mom and Caleb Nichol. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, at this point, being being accessory to, to Grand Theft Auto yeah. is a better option. than and, and, and you know what? After we see what happens when Caleb and Julie do accidentally show up to the fucking Cohen house, I would also have chosen to be, to be accessory to Grand Theft Auto. Fair. They do show up deliberately, but um, not accidentally, but it's because their caterer's truck has broken down. So they have no food. So Caleb and Julie show up at the Cohen house unannounced, uninvited. Yep. They're like, look, we're here now. And And it's fucking great because what does Sandy say? They, they open the door. They're f- like the terrible twosome or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's the gruesome twosome. Gruesome twosome. And that is a callback to a comment that Rachel made because Sandy says, it's the gruesome twosome. Kirsten says, that's Sandy Cohen for Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And earlier, Rachel, on seeing their house for the first time, was like, is this just your summer place? And... Sandy translates for her. So what is the show trying to tell us with this bit of parallel dialogue? Do they want Rachel and Sandy together? Do they know what they're doing? Well, okay. If we're going to hear it from the characters' mouths themselves, Uh Sandy and Rachel have a bit of a moment when they are alone in one of the when when what when, what are the what are the moments when Kirsten they might be is, by the pool, yeah, doing something else something or whatever. Grilling. Oh yes, okay. This is after they have. This is after Sandy and Kirsten have very awkwardly and obviously attempted to get 
uh, Rachel and Jimmy to talk to each other by leaving them alone. And that scene was actually really funny uh, because they, <laughs> they're they all standing very awkwardly in the same room. And Sandy and Kirsten are like, well, gotta go. <laughs> and when they excuse themselves to the kitchen, Sandy goes, we suck. <laughs> I'm like, ah, you're not totally wrong there, Sandy. But then so later on, he and Rachel are having a conversation and she's like, Cohen, what are you doing? Like, what on earth makes you think I would have any interest in Jimmy Cooper? He is a felon and a yada yada. He's a thief. And Sandy's like, and you're a lawyer. You're perfect for each other. But um bum. Waka waka waka. And his eyebrows go. Whip, whip, whip. Uh, and he has a little hat on his head and he goes, whip, whip, whip. And he picks it up and down off of his head. And then a cane pulls him <laughs> out of the frame. And suddenly he's got a bow tie and it goes, and it spins in a circle. So anyway, she's Say like, Say goodnight, Gracie. She's like, she's like, Cohen. And anyway, are we not going to address what's happening between us? And Sandy is like, hey, Fuck fucking no. nothing is happening between us. You inappropriately hit on me. We are co-workers. I'm happily married. Jimmy, however, is getting divorced and you should be with him. As I don't know. She, she says something along those lines. The logic is impeccably bad. <laughs> yeah. It makes as little sense to the characters in the show as it does to the people watching the fucking show. Once Rachel was like, what are you trying to do? I was like, exactly. What the fuck are they thinking? Also, do you remember how I kept complaining that Rachel had exactly one character note in one dimension and we had achieved it? Yes. Her dimension is still just, she's hot for Sandy Cohen. Yep. She wants those eyebrows. She wants to eyebrow the cunnilingus. The cunnilingus. I'm just, I, what? (laughs) Don't make that face. (laughs) I'll leave it up to the listener to interpret what my face was when eyebrow cunnilingus came into the conversation. Yes. Caleb is walking around making like comments about he's alpha-ing Sandy. What did they say? Uh, At one point, Kirsten and Sandy are like, what the fuck are they doing here? And Sandy's like, the only reason they're here is because they have no food and the game is on. Uh Uh-huh. And um, Sandy's like, welcome to my home. And Caleb's like, I own it. Thanks. And like hands Hands him him his his jacket. Yes. And then he says... Oh, I forgot that football was on. Whom in America? <laughs> in the whole, in the nay, in the whole world. I know the World Cup is happening right now. That is another kind of football that happens on Thanksgiving. All of the footballs. Football. 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 Um, 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 it's also great because <laughs> the Coens have a big fucking house, right? Uh-huh. And apparently the only place for all of these grown adults to sit is a single tiny couch uh-huh. that faces their television. Yep. That is the only seating that they have for this event. I don't know what the fuck they were. Th- I don't know if they removed all of the other furniture in a bid to get Jimmy and fucking Rachel to sit next to each other. Mostly I just cannot picture this house. Like Yeah, it's a weird MC Escher because they spend most of their time in the breakfast nook or the pool house. Uh-huh. Are what rooms of this house are they allowed to film in? We are also in Seth's room. 
Yep. For yep. a good too amount often, of time. Too often we find ourselves in Seth's room. Later. Okay, so we're... Oh! Go ahead. Shit! While we're still in the house, uh-huh. we do have to mention that Anna is cooking. Anna is fucking great. She comes to this place. She's charming and delightful. She is adorably dressed. She's perfectly coiffed. She is a very good house guest to the tune of having brought all of the ingredients to make her own fucking yams. Like, holy shit. I also cannot picture cornflakes on sweet potatoes and marshmallows, but sure. It was the odd thousands. The way that my brain put it together is uh, the sweet potatoes like your family makes, right? With the marshmallow fluff sort of on top. Uh But then, think of it. One of the problems with a lot of Thanksgiving food is since it's all sort of been kind of slow cooked, you know, um, a lot of it is a lot of it is very slurry ish, homogeneous, homogeneous consistency. OK. Right. So uh, a perfect example. Why do people put fried crispy onions on top of green bean casserole? A crunchy element. Is this a quiz? Well, a crunchy element. I think it's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> Viewers at home, Steve was like, a crunchy element, Sarah, obviously. Um, so my guess is what she was going for is, okay, it's going to be a sweet dish, sweet potatoes, marshmallow fluff. What is your crunchy element? You don't want it to be overly sweet because that's going to push it over the edge. But you also want it to be in the realm of sweet so that it's actually, um, can, you know, um Co- coherent whatever cohesive yeah cohesive thank you i don't know this sounds way too exotic for thanksgiving no you just it's just you take some of the cereal and you sprinkle a little bit of on top of it on top and it's it has the crunchy element on top of the marshmallows on top of the sweet potatoes listener when i first met evan his idea of a sandwich mm-hmm. was two pieces of white bread no butter no, no no condiments. Of condiments. No. Nothing. No. One slice American cheese. One slice American cheese. In a panini press. In a panini press. That was gifted to me. It was re-gifted to me by my oldest sister. Topped with Cheez-Its. Yep. I will not hear anything about now, culinary in my defense, experimentation. In my defense, uh-huh. We've been together a long time. <laughs> and thanks to your influence and guiding loving hand, I've gotten pretty good in the kitchen. I think you would agree. I agree. Um, and so this is just my own, my own simple brain's interpretation of where she was potentially going with this. It looks like three disparate elements, but I think you could actually put together something that would be pretty delicious. All right. Moving on from Cornflake Gate. (laughs) Jump in those DMs, everybody. All five of you. You're in Belgium. We know it. We look at our analytics. You live in Belgium. Hi, Belgium. Richardson, Texas. <laughs> oh, did I scare you a little bit? Did I freak you out there in Richardson, Texas? We don't know where you live, but we know you live there. Okay, we're back in Chino. Yes. Ryan visits Arturo to get the car. And God bless her. Marissa's down for the cause. Marissa's down for the cause. And also, since... why? How is it a thing where people just randomly show up at weirdo strangers' houses on Thanksgiving? On fucking Thanksgiving. Yeah. I also love... Well, I mean, whatever. Okay. There's lots of little things that we can nitpick here. But if we did every single one of them, we'd be here forever. Uh So we are are smack dab in Ryan's old neighborhood. 
Teresa answers the door when they knock on the door to look for Arturo. And she recognizes Ryan. And she's like, ho ho, Ryan. She's like, ho ho, wrist cuff. <laughs> Where you been, loca? Where's that wrist cuff been? <laughs> We sniff that wrist cuff. We see where it's been hiding. And we learn that the time that's elapsed since that he has been gone from Chino is five months. Five months. Because he just took off and did not tell anybody. Yeah, I'll remind uh, listeners at home uh, in early episodes, um, if you if you recall, Ryan went back to his house uh, and it was empty. Because he was dropped like a stinky rock by his mother. Which, if you're immersed in that conflict, it really pulls focus from the fact that he knew other people. He had a community that probably wondered where he went. Right, because he just up and vanished one day Uh with literally no trace and no communication on his part. We learn that Teresa grew up with Ryan and is was his on-again, off-again... Girl next door. Girl next door. And Marissa's like, I live next door. So... Yeah, and Teresa's like, oh, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the viewer is like, pattern much? Wow, he just goes for literally the most convenient girl. <laughs> Who, li- who is the physically closest to my person right now? That's who I'll date. <laughs> you, come here. Yeah, yeah, right? If you if you can skip the line and be just a little closer to Ryan Atwood, he will date you. So the energy in this scene is very weird because Teresa at first is like, don't ask marissa to help cook she has maids for that Mm -hmm. we don't know whether they're supposed to be at odds with each other or not but then they kind of make friends yeah well okay let's put ourselves in Teresa's location uh or (laughs) position let's put her in here let's go to chino we're gonna drive to chino and then we'll be like wait Teresa doesn't live here shit she was an actor this podcast will be 13 hours long (laughs) so let's put ourselves in her position uh the person that Here's the other thing. It kind of it kind of seems like Teresa sort of thought they were still dating yeah. <laughs> when he left. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the sense I got. But she did refer to herself as on again, off again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is definitely a thing that teenagers would refer to each other. For sure, for as. sure. I, I, I guess they're kind of off again right now, aren't they? Fair to assume. And this was probably how she found out they're off again, except also, for the fact that he goddamn left with, without a single trace. Also, that was sarcasm. Um, so, sorry. That's I, fine. I'm, oh, sorry. You have an earnest heart. So, um, in her, in her, you know, eyes, this weird prodigal son uh-huh. has returned out of the fucking blue with a white blonde, uh, suddenly looking for her brother, and she's like. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's like the very first thing he says is like, is your brother here? And she's like, motherfucker, I'm a living human being that we're starting to get a sense you have had sex with. I would like a little fucking appreciation and some respect and maybe a, hey, this is where I fucking went for the last five months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because we're very much... 
With the amount of eye acting going on, they fucked. But also don't take that out on Marissa. It's no, of course don't take it out on Marissa. But I don't think that she necessarily does. I mean, she's like... She gets a couple digs in. She gets a... Yeah, but again, like, okay, there's this fucking obviously rich white girl that Ryan is now shacked up with. Also, I mean, whatever. It's pretty normal for teen girls written by a writer's room to be catty at each other. Yep. You know, this is well-trod, cliche trite territory that no i don't like seeing it reproduced but also this show was made in fucking 2003 and also they don't drag it out too much it doesn't become like a thing thing because also we learn in this scene that ryan used to be in musicals yeah i would like a musical episode of the oc but sadly and this is not a spoiler i don't think that ever comes to pass and Marissa compliments Teresa's dress in a photograph on the fridge where um, Brian and Teresa are obviously at a dance. I will say this. The show does a good job of not overproducing those photographs. Uh-huh. Like they look like your normal everyday shitty high school photograph that would have been taken, uh-huh. which is nice. It feels authentic. Yes. It keeps me it keeps me in the in the setting. It keeps me in the place. But Ryan was Snoopy. He was Snoopy in a theater production. Yeah. And, you know, Marissa really is using this as an opportunity to get to learn more about this somewhat mysterious boy. Yeah. You know, he came sort of from, you know, the wrong side of the tracks, came into her life in a very sort of mysterious way. You know, they had, you know, their their will, they won't, they romance, Uh you know, Uh, slept on the same bed on their way to TJ, you know, et cetera, et cetera, broke each other's hearts, you know. Uh, boy loses girl boy gets girl and during all of that turmoil she didn't know shit about him she didn't get a chance to and now that they're actually dating this is her opportunity to go okay yeah where are you from who the fuck are you yeah who the fuck are you like i like smooching you obviously but like yeah i think this episode is telling us that marissa marissa wants this to be a thing Yep. She wants to learn more about this person. She's interested in Ryan beyond his smooch ability. Marissa is not quite three-dimensional at this point, but she's like transformering yeah. into kind yeah. of someone who's close to that. We're at what game developers would call 2.5D. <laughs> we're not quite 3D yet, but we're also not totally flat. Right. We're not glitching. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Ryan and Arturo have to go get the sexy car started. <laughs> so then we switch back to the Cohen kitchen where everybody is yelling at each other because uh, Julie does not know where her daughter is. And this is the second time that Jimmy, by all uh, appearances, has lost his daughter. <laughs> I mean, it does kind of raise some questions about his parenting ability. It does. A little bit. It does. He's just, no one is Team Jimmy here. Well, I mean, now, however, I'm getting the sense that Marissa didn't tell anybody where she was going. Yeah. And that's fair. Um, Anna starts shit with Caleb about the wetlands. And I goddamn love it. That's great. And then the doorbell rings 
and it's summer looking for Marissa. And this is the part where I could see your eyes just kind of gradually narrowing <laughs> like you were putting together the pieces of what was about to happen. Yep. It's some noises off shit. Yep. No, it really is. It's really, it's, and uh, it's a teenage sex farce I could have done without. <laughs> that everyone could have done without. Yeah. Yeah. This whole episode could have been on the cutting room floor for all I care. Um, so Summer is there. She's like, hey, where the fuck is uh, Coop? Um, nobody's at her house. And I'm certainly not going to. <laughs> okay. So you remember our headcanon where, uh, what is it? Seth is a werewolf. Uh-huh. And also, Summer is homeless. Yes. Right? She's like, um, I'm certainly not going to spend Thanksgiving with my with stepmother. My stepmother. Um, why does she need tryptophan? She already has Valium, right? You burn antidepressant seekers. If this person exists, which I am still not convinced that she does, I am still a little convinced that Summer is actually unhoused. And is hiding that fact <laughs> by spending most of her time at other people's homes. Or she just conveniently shows up when the plot needs her. That's also true. Yes. She is sort of a plot device in a low cut top and a and a and a and a, and a short skirt. Sorry, Summer. Sorry, Summer. You deserve better. And she's like, Aren't you gonna so of course Seth answers the door and she's like, Aren't you aren't you gonna let me aren't you gonna invite me in? And fucking Seth, because he spends this whole episode thinking solely with his boner. Uh-huh. Is like, let's go to the... Pool house. Let's go to the pool house. Uh, uh, Which is... Summer says something like, don't you think we should talk about what happened at... Or what didn't happen on the yacht? At the, yeah, on the, at the yacht party. The yard party. And at the yard party. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> so they go to the fucking pool house. So why are you making him do walrus noises? <laughs> God damn it! The fucking pool house door closes, and she like throws him up against the wall. And smarches him so fucking hard. Uh huh. And I'm like, no! Like. And we're off to the races. Okay, I need to eat some fucking pie. <laughs> this is my second piece of pie, everybody. <laughs> you talk for a little while. I'm gonna eat this delicious three berry pie. Uh, there, so he's flipping back and forth between. Anna and Summer, he drag he comes back to the main house, drags Anna to his bedroom. And she's like, yeah, because at first she was like, nobody's in the pool house. We could go there. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> he's like, let's go to my bedroom. And she's like, even better. And I'm like, no! Anna, no! So... Captain Oates is fucking invoked again. <laughs> it is at some point during these uh, two, these back and forths between the pool house and his bedroom that the flip phone is invoked. Remember? We were like, oh shit, he's got the flip phone because he's going to need to call somebody for help because he's going to die. But no, Seth calls the flip phone of also, Ryan. Yes. Also, sorry, but before that happens, 
before that happens. I was told you were eating pie. When he's, well, I can't just let this go unnoticed <laughs> because this is important for people to know at home. So if you are coming from episode 10, like we are also technically coming from, uh-huh. then the last place we left the relationship between Seth and so, Anna yeah. was that they were friends, right? Yeah. So... Seth has in, apparently invited Anna to Thanksgiving. And when they get into the bedroom, she's like, Seth, you didn't just invite me here. To meet Captain Oates. Right? And he's like, no. And she smorches him. And they are smorching. And I'm like, Anna, no, you can do better. Um, but so I just want this to be very, very clear. So for anybody who was operating under the assumption that Anna and Seth were friends, uh, even though we all know that Anna is into him for some fucking reason, um, it was it was understood that Seth was not into her like that. Right. She has also Summer has instructed Seth not to tell anyone about her kissing him on the yacht under penalty of death. Yes. So what does Seth do immediately tells Ryan? Yes, so he's sort of like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. I am I am kissing two different girls on the same day. He calls Ryan uh, to confide in him. He's like, penthouse letters aren't real because this sucks when it happens. Yeah. And w- no. They no. juxtapose it with, he says something like, one guy, two girls, not as fun as it seems. And it cuts back to Ryan, who's on the phone. And in the middle distance are Teresa and Marissa. Marissa. And they're both sort of giggling and laughing. Um, and it's, I think it's generally understood that they're sort of poking fun at Ryan for something, you uh-huh. know, something he did in his in his youth or something like that. And Ryan's uh-huh. like, same. It's so silly and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's painful to watch. It's completely unbelievable. Yeah. You can see that Summer doesn't want... It's like Summer is... It's like the character of Summer knows she's in a story. She knows she's in a story and she understands she has no actual agency. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like she doesn't want to be there anymore. You know? It's like, fuck, I have to be kissing Seth Cohen. My question is, why would you stay? Why? Why would you stay? In either of these, like, I know the answer is teenage hormones and lack of self-esteem. But (laughs) one of them is trapped in a bedroom. One of them is trapped in a pool house. (laughs) And at one point, Seth is like, I'll bring you a plate of food when the food is ready. Because that's what happens at Thanksgiving. And Summer's like, okay, cool. What? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No. No. Baby girls. The only reason... Well, and we'll get to that eventually. That comes later, though. But yeah, no, I dislike this vehemently. I'm against this whole plot device. I am so against... I mean, the smooching... You know me. I like like smooching. I like when people smooch. You know? I like smooching. You, right? Yep. I'm I'm a... We're big on smooching in this household. I'm a smoochman, right? You're a smoochman. I have, I have a heart for smooching. <laughs> I celebrate it. Yes. I celebrate it. Yep. I wish none of the Seth smooching had happened in this episode. <laughs> none of it. There are twices in this episode 
Yep. When he is on top of young women. Yep. I disliked that. His long, long torso. His long, ready torso is crushing them. Just like a fucking... Like an enormous anaconda <laughs> wrapping its body around John Voight in the film of the same name. That's John what Voight? it's like. The de- <laughs> Wait, is he Angelina Jolie's dad? Yes, he is. Yes, okay. We're thinking of the right person. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever seen Anaconda? No, I have not. It's not good. There's no reason for you to see Okay. So then the thing happens where... Kirsten is getting progressively more intoxicated yes. throughout all of this. Yes. Because everyone is shouting at each other. Is this your Evan's first experience with the trope of wacky Thanksgiving? No, certainly not. No, no. I've watched enough television that wacky Thanksgiving is very much a trope. Um, but they didn't have it on Star Trek. This Thanksgiving in particular, this one is just stressful. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily call it wacky like it's to the point where everyone is having such a miserable time uh-huh i really i almost wondered aloud it was it was during one of the fights during one of the screaming matches basically between jimmy it was among rather jimmy julie caleb and sandy or no rachel yeah um i wanted to be like you're adults. You can leave. Like yeah. you're all very wealthy. You could just go somewhere else. Yeah, but also that kind of speaks to you. A lot of times on Thanksgiving, you feel like you can't. Caleb and Julie crashed. Like yeah. they could just fucking go. They could. Caleb has no emotional fucking connection with any of these people. He has an emotional connection to negging his daughter. <laughs> He's there for the blood sport. <laughs> and trying to get her to have a conversation that she doesn't want to have and crossing boundaries. <laughs> oh God. It's what it's what Caleb do. Oh shit. Oh, it's also important to note that while Seth is on the phone with Ryan discussing the letters to Penthouse, the two girls, one cup, whatever the yes, fuck. Yes, this is the important thing, yes. Um, he mentions in passing that Julie is flipping out about where mm-hmm. Marissa is. Yep. And that is how Ryan learns that Marissa lied to him. That is the whole purpose of all the time they spent setting up this fucking telephone its entire purpose is just so that Ryan can can be told over the phone that Julie's not happy and yeah. doesn't know where Marissa is. Yep. That's fucking it. And Ryan's like, what the entire it's fuck? It's like Chekhov's gun has no bullets in yep. it. That's what a shitty payoff that setup was. <laughs> but... Ryan's like, what the entire fuck, Marissa? Your mother hates me. Why would you put me in this position again? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know what her justification is even. Right. He's like, I could basically be seen as kidnapping you at this point. Like, I could absolutely go to further prison for this. Yes. And she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, take the Range Rover. Go home. This isn't a conversation. I'll get home. I have to do this job to get my brother off the hook. Yeah. 
Um, Seth also, the thing happens where, because... <laughs> so they're out of wine. Yep. Kirsten has consumed all of their wine. All of the Merlot. So she is loudly blending... Margaritas. Margaritas. So she's blending margaritas. Seth comes up behind her and says, Marissa is in Chino. And she's like, what? What? I can't hear you. Marissa is in Chino. I can't hear you. And she turns off the blender and he screams, Marissa is in Chino. (laughs) That old chestnut. That old. And then he even remarks. He's like, oh, wow, that happens in real life, too. And I'm like, no, it doesn't, Seth. You're in a television (laughs) show. Wake up. And stop kissing people. Uh, and of course, Julie is like, what the fuck did you say? Uh-huh. And, and fucking Seth says, uh, Marissa has my chinos. I really like those pants. Yes. Yeah, and it and lands it's... with about as much pomp and circumstances as it did upon its retelling. Just now. It's not funny. No. It's not funny. Shut up, Seth. If any of you really liked Seth Cohen in this television show at the time it was originally airing, jump into our jump into our fucking thing on Twitter, please. Yep. Jump on there before Elon just shits it down the toilet completely and everyone moves to Mastodon. Please jump in there and be yep. like, I really like Seth. Team Seth. Hashtag Team Seth <laughs> if you are Team Seth. All right. That's orange you one dot Twitter <laughs> dot, dot orange. <laughs> so Ryan leaves Arturo's house to deliver the car. He apologizes again to Teresa and is like, I probably should have told you at some point in the last five months where I was. That was my bad, etc., etc. He shows up with the car. There are menacing. It's not full, like, yellow gray sky lighting in no. all the Chino scenes, but it it's is... not like Sicario. No, it is definitely filmed differently. Mm-hmm. It's not as washed out yeah. and dreamy looking. It is also worth noting the men in this scene are grown-ass adult men. Yep. And Ryan is, again, the word I love so much, ostensibly a teenager. Yep. Drives up with this car. He's like, here it is. The owner of the chop shop is like, that's a nice ride, you know. I've been waiting on this thing for six months. You know, your brother's a stupid piece of shit or whatever. He says something like, your you know, brother's the dumbest guy I ever met. Your brother's a dumb idiot. Yeah. Uh, trying to get a rise out of Ryan or whatever. Uh-huh. And Ryan's like, well, is this good then? Are, you, are we done, right? I get, I, the, the deal is I bring this and my brother's, my brother's clear. And the bad, the bad guy is like, hey, boys, do you hear that? Is that the deal? And like, yeah, these huge, fully grown adult men, uh-huh. like in their 30s or 40s, come up. They're very big and strong. And uh, the guy's like, there's a little thing called interest. Took me six months to wait for this thing. You owe me more. And Ryan's like, no, I don't. And the guy's like, let's beat him up, boys. And Ryan punches him after that guy punches Ryan. And Ryan... Uh, there is various punching. There's various punching. But it, now it's Marissa's turn to save Ryan because she did not listen. She squeals into frame in the Range Rover and is like, Dead in! <laughs> And Ryan runs into the car and leaps into the window and he's like, Go, go, go! And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I followed you. And what does he say? He's like, 
Good idea. <laughs> he is the funny one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um... There's a scene at this point where Sandy goes to the pool house and is confronted by Summer. What does Summer say? She was expecting Seth, Seth to show back up and she's like, what took you so... Ew. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> what took you so... Ew. I mean, you're very attractive uh, for a dad. <laughs> and Sandy just sits there dumb faced the whole time like, what is happening? But then he suddenly starts to realize what's happening. Yeah. And yeah. it's not good. Nope. Nope. At one point, you see him sitting down talking with Seth, and he's like, I understand, son. I understand, you know. I uh, get it, but you got to be a man. You got to be a man. You got to tell him. You got to choose. And he's like, you got to tell Summer that uh, you got you to tell Anna that you like Summer. And uh, Seth's like, well. And he's like, oh, you got to tell Summer that you like Anna. And he's like, well. And he's like, I, I don't know. I don't remember how the rest of that scene went. Um, he can't really come to a decision. The smoke detector goes off in the kitchen, which brings both Anna and Summer into the same room mm-hmm. where they both realize that they have been played. Mm-hmm. And to the show's credit, he is left with no woman. He is yep. left alone with his werewolf <laughs> teeth <laughs> and his Captain long Oates. Serpentine body and Captain Oates. Yep. And Caleb is like, get it? He's like, you, he doesn't say anything, but you can tell that he's like, that's how you treat the ladies. <laughs> and Kirsten is very drunk at this point and says, I always knew you were a late bloomer. <laughs> and the turkey is very, very burned. Yep. And it's a little funny because it's like, that's not Kirsten's fault because she was not responsible for any of the food. Yeah. That was literally everyone else's fault except Kirsten's. It's true. If they ever try to blame that shit on her, I will come for heads. You will come for everyone. Justice for Kirsten. Justice for Kirsten. Thanksgiving justice for Kirsten. Yes. So, Hashtag Kirsten. So they go, the the continuing of an understanding of how prison visitation hours works, mm-hmm. uh, because Ryan shows up again to tell Trey that everything's taken care of, and Trey, it must be said, it's real weird to me that at first he's like, could you do this specific thing that's very dangerous for me? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, but I don't want you to caught, get caught up in the life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Newport. Even though he explicitly put his younger underage brother. He's literally the reason why he's in Newport. Like, yeah. full stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fully. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Whatever. You know, the show does not like necessarily giving characters consistent motivations. Yep. Yeah, but Trey's like, don't follow in my foot. Oh, yeah, because Ryan's like, I'll come and visit you. And Trey's like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's essentially giving the writers an out. <laughs> like, yeah. 
don't worry, you don't have to keep writing for me. I'll just stop existing conveniently. Don't worry about it. Or does he? Well, no spoilers. No eyebrows at me. I'm just saying. No eyebrows. You don't know shit. That's true. Yeah. No, this show will always keep me guessing. That's for damn sure. So they show back up at home and everyone is eating Chinese food now because the Thanksgiving dinner is ruined. Yay. They've all sort of uh, slumped off to their separate corners. So uh, Kirsten is asleep on the bed. Uh, Sandy is eating uh, lo mein next to her. Yep. Um, Jimmy and Rachel are watching the game on the couch. Uh, Rachel says, hey, we should watch a game sometime. And Jimmy's very awkward about it. And she's like, when you're ready. Uh, and Caleb Nickel and Julie are eating in the kitchen. So they've all sort of found places to be with their significant people or the people that they've sort of been paired up with for this episode. Yes. Um, and the kids uh, find Seth all alone in his room, lying on his uh, floor. As he deserves. As he deserves, sad and alone and unloved. Thank God, finally, justice in the world. And they're like, hey, can we join you? Uh, we've got Chinese food. And he's like, yeah. And what do they say? Oh, yeah. He's like, how's everything with your brother? And they sort of don't elaborate. But um, this is, a, the I think, the key moment of this episode. Ryan says it's good to be home. Yeah, it's good to be home. And the name of the episode is The Homecoming. Homecoming. <laughs> All right. Episode MVP. Um, well, actually, first I might like to discuss some of the themes of the episode. Would that be okay? Of course. Right, because the, the point of this podcast is not necessarily just a, a, a beat-by-beat breakdown of what happens, but also sort of... I mean, you kind of made that the point of the podcast because Steve didn't know what was happening. Yeah, it's really Steve's fault, isn't it? Speak... F- uh, the, the, the. Well, I'm, so I'm trying to bring it back. I'm trying to bring it back to the, the, the podcast's original roots. Yes. Right? So... You used to ask questions yep. about the various things that were happening in the episodes. Uh-huh. I'd like to bring that back if you're comfortable doing that. I'm deeply uncomfortable. Well, I know that you haven't anything prepared for this episode. Right. But I think that there are themes that this episode plays around with that other episodes have played around with, too. But we haven't necessarily gotten a chance to really dive into those. Uh-huh. So, thematically... What is this episode saying? It's talking about where you're from. Yep. Uh, the phrase, you can't go home again. Yep. Sort of comes into my head, right? Uh-huh. Um, nature versus nurture, a little bit. Uh, and then also found family versus, right, the, the family you grow up Biological, with. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Here's a question I can pose you, and it might not even be a worthwhile question, but I'm curious what your answer would be. Okay. And I know that we already talked about there is a there's a recognizable A and B plot. Yep. Right? But if you had to sort of characterize one person in this episode as the main character that pushes the story forward, like the story writ large... Who do you think the main character would be? 
I think there are two equally compelling answers in my head to this. Okay. I think if you're taking into consideration the last line that Ryan says Mm -hmm. in the thing, um, Ryan is the main character because it's, he's been uncomfortable, not fully in his surroundings Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, in the episodes up until this one Mm -hmm. and this sequence of events. And I think they're really trying to illustrate and I don't think they, they. I think they succeed in uh, hitting that emotional beat mm-hmm. when he finally realizes this is home. Yeah, yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. Yeah, my knee jerk reaction would be Ryan. Yeah, um, he he has been the impetus for change in all of these people's lives. Right. Right. It's his influence that has made all of these sweeping changes to these people's little world, little insular world, yep. right? Um, not all of it, you know. Jimmy would have been found out eventually for his crimes. Uh-huh. You know, like those things would have happened. But Ryan's influence on the impact that that had, for example, on Marissa is important, you know. He... He... His actions and just his presence alone is informing the the process of these people's lives as they move forward. He's been there at a bunch of crucial times yeah. for Marissa. Yeah. And I liked the parallel, as I said before, I like the parallel uh, symbolism of she gets to be the one who saves him now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I like that. So I'm also really curious. You said that there were sort of two answers that you might have about who the main character of this episode would be. Marissa. Can you go into that? She is the kind of architect of all of her experiences. She is curious. She is not judgmental. She genuinely wants to know, like, where this person who she has the makeouts with is from. (laughs) She asks when she's in the Chino environment, she's not like the elephant standing on the chair because there's a mouse, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she physically, again, gets him mm-hmm. out of a situation, mm-hmm. which it furthers the plot. Yeah. Yeah, oh God, there are two tropes I'm really glad this episode didn't fall into. Okay. And I was really girding my loins in defense against these two tropes. The first one is the one that you mentioned. I was really, really hoping they weren't going to do the fish out of water. Oh, pretty white rich girl suddenly in Chino, uh, you know, doesn't know anything she's talking about. You know, oh, doesn't know how to cook or oh, is afraid of, you know, things that she doesn't understand. You know, I'm so glad they didn't fall into that. Yeah. Marissa was very warm, um, you know, uh, polite. and obviously, yeah, interested in what, interested in these people and interested to learn more about Ryan. Super glad they didn't fall into that trope. Second trope I'm really glad they didn't fall into was one of the other girls walking in on Seth while he was making out with one of the other girls. Yeah. We've done a lot of walk in on someone making out with somebody in this show. And I was going to be like, please not fucking again. How many times do we need to walk in on someone making out with someone in this goddamn show? I think it also bears mentioning that um, 
they do paint Chino as this horrible place that no one should be from. Mm-hmm. But when you actually get into the house of Arturo and Teresa, and Teresa, and Teresa yeah. it's a house. It's they're, a cute house. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like obviously opening dented cans of, <laughs> I don't know, creamed like, corn. There's no one like shooting up meth in the corner. Yeah. Like there's a lovely table spread with really pretty Thanksgiving decorations. Like, yes, Arturo has a, a criminal uh, enterprise, enterprise going but, on. But it's not. Also, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, keep going. Yeah. It's not like they're not openly weighing bricks of cocaine <laughs> at the Thanksgiving table. Cocaine. Yes. Uh, and he even tells Ryan, he's like, dude, you don't have to be doing this. Yeah. He's like, you, what? He says something like, you don't owe your brother anything or something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, what? What? He says, um, you know, you could just leave. What's your brother going to do? Yeah. And Ryan's face says what I think everyone in the audience is thinking is like, get killed in prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what he'll fucking do. Yeah. He'll get murdered in prison. Yeah. And Ryan does not want that to happen. There's enough alluded to about the history between Ryan and his brother. Yeah. That makes the viewer understand that despite the fact that he's done shitty things, they still love each other. Well, and also, I think it would be fair to say, and I think some of his acting bears this out, that Ryan might be suffering from a little bit of survivor's guilt. Oh, for sure. Because he really was just sort of rescued by this deus ex machina eyebrowed man. You but know, he was, was also... Like, You're a good kid! But he was also good at the SATs. How's about you live with me in my famously rich home? <laughs> And basically not have any worries except the fact that my idiot children continue to fuck with you and put you in dangerous situations. Anyway, um, uh, can I ask you another question that you might not have a good answer to? Sure. If you were going to ask questions about the themes of this episode, like you did in the first few episodes of this podcast. Uh-huh. What sort of questions do you think you would have you would have asked, or what sort of points do you think would have been raised? It's not necessarily a fair question, but I was just curious. You're asking me a question about questions? Yeah, it's sort of meta, but you know. I'm trying to get us back to our roots before Steve ruined everything. Uh- <laughs> By being such a jackass. <laughs> Text me. If you're listening, text me right now and say you called me a jackass and then I'll know you're listening. (laughs) Ultimatum, the podcast. (laughs) I'll know you're listening. The podcast. I would have to have a lot more time to. Yeah, no, that's cool. Answer. Just, yeah, uh, going forward, if if you find yourself coming up with talking points or questions or you know, sort of things that we can kind of. Examine. I'm sorry. Am I not curating this experience that appropriately? Is yeah, it's not in so many words, but wow, yeah. Didn't know you were just going to vocalize it like that. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was my question for you. The, okay. Who do you think the main character is? Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, one of those two. I think Ryan, just because I think we see things from his perspective more. Yeah. But I agree that Marissa's character, uh, we, we got a really great insight into a little bit more of her motivation 
uh, beyond you know pure smooching in this relationship. And smooching you, is a good motivation. I really disliked. I have found myself disliking the character of Marissa Cooper in the past because she was very much in the group of people who refused to listen to to Ryan yeah. and to take him seriously yeah. and to hear him when he was saying that this environment will be dangerous for me. I think I'm coming around to her because she's starting to finally show an interest and she's finally like starting to get her head on right. Yeah. You know, like, okay, if I'm going to date this guy, sometimes you have to be a getaway car for him yep. <laughs> so he doesn't get his ass kicked yep. at this chop shop. And I'm like, yeah, you go. Yeah. That's what a good girlfriend would do for Ryan Atwood. Fair. <laughs> okay, now. Now MVPs, yes. Um, fuck me. Fuck me. Like, part of me... Uh, see, and this is tough. Because part of me wants to say Marissa for the exact same reasons that we were talking about. Um, great growth. We further get to see a little bit behind the veil. Um, but part of me also kind of wants to say Anna because I don't know. She's going for what she wants and what she wants is wrong and bad. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. What she wants is wrong and bad. (laughs) Then, yeah, no, I think Marissa is pretty solidly my hero. Yeah. I think she does the right thing. Um, I understand Ryan's motivations. I do. But I think it also would have been totally fair and within his right to say, Trey, I love you. I did not get you into this position. I am a minor who's trying to stay out of prison. Yeah. I hope you respect that I have to say no. He really sort of doesn't pay ever attention to the thing that Sandy said however many episodes ago we are one fight away yeah. from losing you. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. just like do to do. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. And that sort of sort of Damocles that hangs above them it also comes and goes as it pleases yeah. as it serves or does not serve the plot of that episode. Given that there are four seasons of this shit, <laughs> I think it stops sort of Damocleasing pretty soon. <laughs> okay, good. Because it, if, they, uh, if that was a continued thing, and now that he really feels, and he said it himself, now that he feels at home yeah. where he is and much less like a fish out of water, yeah, hopefully now the spats that he gets into and the conflict he, you know, he finds himself in will be a little bit less of the going to prison kind. Yes. And a little bit more of the, Ooh, who stole my white gloves for cotillion <laughs> kind. So that's I my, wanted yeah, to be MVP on the water polo team. Uh, so yeah, Marissa is my MVP. Who's yours? Same. And we're not going to retread. Yeah. We've already been over all the reasons. Yeah. Villain. You go first. Trey. Trey. Interesting. Trey is in prison. He is. You're going to have to cut this out. Sorry. I think I see what you're going for the, here. The gears are turning, but I'm not quite being able to well, connect yeah, here, what I want I to say. Help. He puts his minor young brother... At risk of not just prison time, but also physical danger. 
Like, for someone who doesn't want his brother to be in this, it sure seems like he does. Yeah, right, yeah. I love his little speech at the end. It's like, oh, so it's very convenient for you to say, don't get involved in this stuff, after you were like, hey, Ryan, maybe do you want to get involved in this? Not that you have done the thing for me (laughs) that I asked you to do. Right. Oh, no. And didn't get arrested and or killed. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's very convenient. Now, yeah, I can say like, oh, you don't want to get, you don't want to, you don't want to get wrapped up in this younger brother. You don't wanna. But thanks for getting wrapped up in it, though. <laughs> Why does he have Sandy's voice? Why do you have Sandy's voice? I don't have Sandy's. Think about that. Oh my God. Tables have turned. <laughs> Who's your villain? She was on the other foot. Now, yeah, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. But also Summer, like, why the fuck does she like Seth? That doesn't make her a villain, why though. She, she doesn't do there? anything to hurt anyone but herself. She, uh, a little bit Seth and Kirsten, like, why are they hosting a Thanksgiving? You know, why, Just order why, a pizza. why are they inviting like fucking uh, Rachel and Jimmy what what do they do? No, I can't make that with my villains. That doesn't make any sense. They, just, it was I'm very explicitly fine. stated that they wanted Ryan to have a Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's the only one who wasn't privy to all of the horrors. So they yeah. kind of saved him from that a little bit. A little bit. No, it was Trey, actually, that sort of saved him from Thanksgiving. Yeah. Can he still be your, your villain? Yes. If he is the reason that Ryan was yes. not subjected... To that terrible yes. Thanksgiving. Yes. Mm. Mm. Hit us up in the DMs. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm stretching. I think it has to be Trey. I mean, or, you know, if I wanted to do co-villains, which I have also done famously multiple times on this podcast, it's the, it's the Evan co-villain routine. That's what it's called. It's the Evan co-villain corner. Yep. Uh, welcome to the Evan co-villain corner. Do I have any spectrum left? That was sad. It's good that you made that as audible as possible. Um, (laughs) Here in the Evan Covillain corner, we have Covillains again. Um, I'm going to have a tiered system. All right. It's a hierarchy of villains. A cast? Yeah. Trey is on top because he is the worst. He put his brother in danger physically and also fed legally Uh um, to try and save his own ass. And, like, I get it. No one wants to be killed in prison. I understand that. But also, eh, Ryan didn't do any of the things that would get you killed in prison. You did that to yourself, you know? Yeah, endangering your youngest brother who managed to get away from all of this bullshit by the skin of his very teeth. Trey is a bullshit asshole, uh, and he's the villain. Yep. He's top-tier villain in this episode. My secondary villains are co-villains. And they are Julie and Caleb Nickel. Uh, uh, when they initially go to the Cohen house to enjoy Thanksgiving, they are not my villains yet. It is when they stay after they have been in multiple shouting matches with different <laughs> people in the Cohen residence. And they stay even after Kirsten is oh, fucking red face, pass out drunk on the bed. They still stay to eat. Chinese food, even though they do have a house, it's like next door. It's in walking distance. It's within walking distance. They could just go home. They could just take a bag of food and go there so they don't have to sit around the Cohen's kitchen 
It's weird. They are my co-villains. That's how I am ranking things in this episode. Noted. Noted. Okay. Ew count. I think we're at 10 ewes. Yeah, because she says ooh, ew multiple times when she comes upon Sandy. Yep. Yeah. Rosa is still alive. <laughs> Rosa and Caitlin. Yep. As far as we know, still alive. Gay panic count exists. They added a minty. Yep. Yep. We, yep. yep. When, when Ryan and Marissa come back into Seth's room at the end of the episode to touch base with Seth and join him on the floor to eat lo mein, Marissa's like, Seth, did you know that Ryan did musical theater? And Seth says, wow, that's pretty minty, Ryan. That's pretty minty. Like, do they think, who do they think they are charming? Who do they think they are pulling wool's eyes over <laughs> with this fucking cute little, uh, not simile, not, not analogy. Metaphor? Not metaphor. What's the, whatever. Word? This <laughs> I've had two pieces of pie. This is what happened. Adjective? Uh, uh, af, af, uh, uh, Adverb? Uh. <laughs> Welcome to the alphabet corner. <laughs> Where we try and figure out what word Evan is trying to think of. <laughs> Ablative? No. <laughs> Ablative? I don't even know what's happening in my brain anymore. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> You've explained how you thought they couldn't say fruity. And yeah. so they had to try and get it past the censors yeah. by saying minty. Yes. Just so what even the fuck? But yes. Who is the serving is my question. Like tee hee, we got to call something gay without calling right? it gay. Yeah, I don't understand. You homos. It doesn't make any sense. It makes me like Seth even less. Oh, fuck Seth Cohen. Fuck Seth Cohen. Um, Closing thoughts? Final thoughts, yeah. So before Steve ruined this podcast... <laughs> I feel like it was more than just a, a roundup of the things that happened beat by beat. Uh-huh. Uh, passionate listeners, we're going to get back to that format, okay? Steve, you'll just have to live with it. We will, we will continue to talk about what happened in the episode... As chronologically as we can, so that people who are not watching with us or have not watched it in the past will still be up to speed. Uh-huh. But we cannot let only one small percentage of our growing listener base <laughs> dictate the terms by which we operate this enterprise. <laughs> Steve, text me. Text me if you're not a coward and tell me that you're listening to episode 11. <laughs> Look, it's my birthday, okay? I get to do whatever I want. Cala birthday, Evan. <laughs> Cala birthday, Sarah. <laughs> you just listened to Orange You Glad We Watched the OC. Recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios. Hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept and questions by Sarah. Recorded by Evan. Edited by Evan. Uploaded by Sarah. Please give us as many stars as the platform you're listening to this on will allow you to give us. Copyright 2022.